نشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله الوالي الكريم وصلى الله على أنبياء أجمعين والمسيح والمحسي والمجدد لمن مرسلين أما بعد Are we not the bearers of witness that nothing would exist if Allah didn't create it? And that He is alone and has no part? And that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sustainer of all the boundless universes? All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend, and send salutations of Allah on all of His prophets and His apostles, and on the Messiah, the anointed one. And on the Mahdi, the God, and on the Mujaddid, the Reform, which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. The man of the hour, airing seven days a week at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On WGAG Radio. Radio. Well, back. My name is Dr. Valen Christie. I've been a student of the Grand Master Dr. Malachi Zayoff for 10 years. And in those 10 years, I've been exposed to nothing but undisputable truth. From the Nubian Islamic Hebrew, to the Ansar Allah community, to the Holy Tabernacle Ministry, to the ancient and mystical order of Malachi Zadok. I've been through all the schools of higher learning. And now, I'd like to introduce the man of our time, the Grand Master, Dr. Malachi Z. York. Thank you. 
make up the whole base. Um, now the main thing is, um, we all haven't heard it, I think you should get it. Because if you really listen to what he's saying, and I think that was to me yesterday, right? No more to me, and I listened to it last night. If you really listen to what he's saying, he said, and I repeat, and it's for him and his father, this is going on there, he said that Allah was created in triple darkness. Mm. Ain't nothing to worry about. That's better. He said, when you're outside at night, that's not darkness, that's the shadow. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 He said, that's an illusion, that's not real, that's the shadow. <laughs> the real darkness is inside the womb where people are conceived. If all that, he said on that page, if you're looking for a devil, stop looking outside there. You black people go look in a mirror, and there you'll see the devil. <laughs> That's not a direct statement of black devil. <laughs> there it is. I ain't finished. You get to take it from there. He also says on that tape, I mean at that lecture, he says that it's Muslims and Islam, and he says they might not want to be called Muhammadism, but they are Muhammadism. Uh, uh, <laughs> and he says Muslims, Christians, and Jews, give up those names. But that was divided and destroyed. He said, religion is destroyed. He said, the real religion of God is obedience. That's And that all of y'all are God. And then he proceeded to say, is it not written in the Lord? I said, Condition. 
with the same bad information. The information has got to upgrade itself in order for you to upgrade the people and know who you are as a prophet. Has a point, it made sense, and it lifted them for, to a certain level. Muhammad Elias Muhammad had a point, it made sense that day and time, and it lifted them for a certain amount of level. You know what I'm saying? Even Clarence 37 
you had a point star. You can see it just as clear as day because whoever was on the camera might have been one of our followers. But he's getting right on his face. And you can see where they put the six points on it. Not five. That is not the symbol on your book. That is not the symbol on your pen your lesson. That is not your national, not your flag, not your pendant. That is known as our symbol. And everybody knows. You know why they know it? Because they never saw what they refer to as a Jewish star and a Muslim crescent. They never saw it before. The high-ranking Freemasons saw it, and they would approach you on the street and ask you, do you know what that means? Right. And you say, you? And walk on about your business, but they and no one else ever introduced the six-pointed star and upright crescent to Nubians until 1970 when I presented it to the world as a sign of the ever-living the living, the true and living God. And they look in the book, and they look like and say, this is similar to the true and living. Now leave the God out. But I wasn't taking a position until the time was right. And when I say true and living God, I mean, like the brother said, you can walk up to your God and talk to him. You can walk up to him and say, I got a question for you, God. They can't do it. They can't walk up to Quran, they can't walk up to Clarence, they can't walk up to none of them. You understand? And if I move on to the next life, then another God steps in place. No such thing like nobody coming after me because um, I'm so great, nobody can succeed me. That's not how it works with us. When one Pharaoh steps down, another Pharaoh comes in. That's all God means to Pharaoh. But when we make a declaration that we're God, what upsets you fools is you keep on taking our definition all the way from the hands of our community. I would tell y'all, stop judging my religion by your religion. Stop judging my interpretation by your religion. Stop reading our book and think you know what we're talking about. Fool, instead of just asking me. We say, God, we ain't talking about your God. Your God is, you know, I said, it's a whim. <laughs> on the wall, they are God. When you look back in Egypt, you see the deity on the wall, they are God. That's the kind of God I am. That's the kind of God I'm looking at. And that's the kind of God y'all forgot your work. And that's what they want to make you think when they say that idol work. And don't even define the word idol. What is an idol? The word they use in Arabic is mithala, like. They don't even have a word for it. Mithala is the root of the word for idol. What is it? If you idolize somebody, then y'all going to master Prophet Muhammad and Elijah Muhammad are idols because y'all idolize them. You have big old picture on the wall bigger than life, so if you take him out of proportion of life, if you made it one inch larger than him, then you have now taken an expanded God. So what's the problem? We don't have no problem with you calling on Elijah Muhammad God. We know he's God. We have a problem with you trying to make us worship a food. Something you cannot prove. Or, don't have, we don't have a problem respecting Clarence 37 or 17, whatever you want to call that. But we're not going to worship the dead. You don't worship the dead, you respect the dead. You honor the dead. And only those dead people that did something is entitled to respect and honor. Those that have it, they're buried with respect and honor, and everything about them is buried. But those who have done something and made a mark have affected our lives. 
We respect them. We respect the Mahdi. And always will. Our Mahdi. If y'all don't want to be your Mahdi, they need our Mahdi. We put them in our bag with the rest of our stuff. <laughs> y'all want some Zulama Akhtar Pakistani? That's your Mahdi. That's fine. Y'all want Master Brahma Muhammad call your Mahdi? That's your Mahdi. That's fine. Why we all can't have our own Mahdi? We all got our own shoes on. My foot ain't the same size as yours. <laughs> and as long as we don't stand toe to toe, if all we ain't got no problem, and we obviously y'all don't want to stand toe to toe with me on which Mahdi is right, but I wrote a whole book on how my Mahdi is a true Mahdi. I can see y'all. I had to write a book on yours, so you won't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's the bottom line. Is that we are God, and we're reflections of God, and we're an image of God, and we're the likeness of God. If that bothers you, then hey, you just have to live with your problems. Do things come and go. Get a cure. Get the cavity dug out. Get a shot. But do something. But don't interfere with me. And don't try to get me. Because you can't explain to me or prove to me you got a toothache anyway. I know you got a toothache. By a toothache, I mean I know you're stressed in what you're teaching. But I can see it in your eyes. I can see the lack of confidence while I watch that tape. I don't watch that tape to watch that mouth. I watch that tape that while that mouth is moving, that sound is coming out. I want to see if they really that's what they're saying. They know what they're saying. Anytime anybody starts talking about God, they don't know what they're saying because they cannot prove it. If I talk about a car, I can prove it. If I talk about this hunk, I can prove it. If I talk about the compass in the square, the actual compass and the square, the actual hunk, the actual car, I can prove it or take you to one. If I can't, I'll make one. <laughs> Those are principles of being confident and being in truth and being right. Right. But not when I start trying to convince you that you are wrong if you don't believe in some unseen God. And give you a complex and try to make you feel guilty because you're the kind of person that says, I don't mind you look good feeling that way, but I just have a man that wants to know. That may, I'm a different kind of being, you can call me the devil, you can call me anything to make you feel comfortable because I want to know. I just want to know. There's anything wrong with that now. You talk to me about Allah, tell me about Allah. Can you explain this thing to me? Don't say God is real. Get all that. And the worst thing you can do is run over to the Quran. A book written by mortals, if not written by mortals, recorded by mortals, stored in the subconscious or conscious mind of mortals and human beings who are all imperfect, like you said, a wobbling planet, a wobbling mind. Your mother ain't gonna go to the Quran and say, listen, the Quran says, Allah says, of course. The Quran was written for people like you that want to use the word of law. I thought the Quran is going to back up Islam. You go to Jehovah's Witnesses, they do the same thing. They got a whole bunch of books that back up Jehovah's Witnesses jump. What about the universal truth? The universal truth would be the scripture name of law and tell me the meaning of it. And your scholars can't even do that. El Ila or El Lahu or they don't even know what it means. You asked one the other day, some five percent. I believe in Allah. What does Allah mean? He said, huh? <laughs> the word, not, you know, not, the, not the attribute, the word itself, that being attributed to the being of course, the source, the person, or whatever, or the box, the cookie, whatever it is you're going to love, what does the word first mean? They can't tell you. Muslims are this being law, what does the law mean? The God. What happens if the Germans never created the word God or good? Then what would you say it means? The Duke, the French, the Dios, the Spanish? What would you say, man, that we need all these other languages? Drop everybody else's language, brother, and tell me what Allah means. Now, what would happen is, 
if he could speak the Arabic language, he would start giving you a commentary of Allah in Arabic. That's the only way you can explain Allah. Because Allah is an Arabic word. You can't explain Allah in Arabic word in English. You would be translating. The Bible says you'd be moving away, trans. You'd be going away from it. Trans is trans is <laughs> You'd be going away from it because you cannot capture the actual meaning. The Bible So now who's trying to pull me in and make you think if a person don't believe in God and they're a devil. The person don't believe in God, brother, don't believe in the devil either. Don't understand that. They come together. Because you wouldn't even know there was a God unless there was a devil. Because there'd be no purpose for your God if there was no devil. So y'all need the devil as bad as y'all need your God. Because what would a religion be without the devil? What would be the purpose of Islam if there was no shaitan? What would be the purpose of Judaism if there was no hasatan? What would be the purpose of Christianity if there was no dragon? If I do you ask the Muslims, do y'all need the devil? You better have the devil because if you don't, you have to close your mouth and stop Mecca. Because the whole purpose of going to Mecca is to always be that. We don't say, come on, brother. So, Shaitan, and everything you say, in your salon, you're praising Shaitan. When you eat, you're praising Shaitan. I don't want Shaitan to take my food. <laughs> you know, not only we, we don't say God is a whim, only God and the devil is a whim. That's a whim club. <laughs> And think you got a monopoly on the whole world got a big problem. Meaning, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity is nothing but one ideology on the planet. You don't know nothing about the depths of Hinduism, Buddhism, and Zoroastrianism, and a million other philosophies or doctrines or religions that don't have nothing to do with your concept of belief. You only sound powerful because you're in a country that was owned and ruled and lived on by a group of people called Washita or Tulip from the ancient Almanac, the God who did not believe in that God and the Christian concept came over here with, uh, I mean, people who were Portuguese brought the Christian doctrine over here and spread it there and then later on Judaism came over here and then later on, Islam came over here, but the indigenous people of this land, the natives of what they call Americans, didn't know nothing about your God. And got wrecked that the Almighty was existing 900 years before Christ. Here, right on this land in America, 900 years before Christ, they're digging up heads right now in Mexico, called Anaximander. And there they find traces of a people that look just like you. Before the year 570, when Muhammad was born. Before Jesus was born. You understand that? We got a life and a culture that goes back way before that. We were called Moors by race, way before more was synonymous with Muslims. They were more before they were Muslims. They were called Morenos before Muhammad was even born. Or more. The French way, before Muhammad was born. If I'm saying somewhere along the line, Islam bit its way into more. And now you got a bunch of 
people walk around saying, I'm a more scientist and raise their hand for this long. Don't realize that Islam is taking away from the greatness of being a moor because Islam was born in Arabia among Hindus and Turks calling themselves Arabs. And there was no Middle East. Look at the map again and then say Middle East. Say it. Now don't say the word. I mean, think about Middle East. Where is that? You do it. Go to a blackboard anywhere. And do this, make a comment, and put Middle East there, right? Ha! How can you be a Middle East? And <laughs> <laughs> this is West, and this is East, and this is North, and this is South. How can this be the Middle East? <laughs> now, we know what the thing called the Far East. That's the Far East. This would be the Far West. This would be the Far North. And this would be as far south as you can go, as far west as you can go, as far east. But there is no such thing as a Middle East. There is no such thing as an Arab with natural roots. You will not trace Arabs to natural roots. You will trace the people back to a man called Jokhan, which will go back to Hebrew. But you will not find Arab as a race. The word automobile means automobile. And the word of it, I don't mean to roam about, to move. You know what I'm saying? They don't exist. There was no such thing as Saudi Arabia. That oil over there is ours. Our land extends from California to where? The Persian Gulf. There was no split. There was no red or green sea. That's a natural threat. That Atlantic Ocean did not exist. I showed them all that back in the Northern. All those pieces fit right back in. Straight on down through South America. There's no such place as Puerto Rico. That just means that when they got there, he said, that's the richest port I've ever seen. So how now are you going to say that Puerto Ricans are poor people? And Puerto Ricans are minorities? And Puerto Ricans don't have nothing? And when you say Puerto Ricans, you're saying they're rich. Simon Amorite says, you Puerto Ricans, he's saying, you people from that rich port. Right. You say, well, what happened to the riches? What happened to the people of the port? Then it was a black dirt of a swan and shaped 
the skin of the man anyway, so it still covers the man. You are more. The modern science temple is related to it from a Islamic standpoint of view, from a Moroccan standpoint of view. Bring out a Moroccan flag, not a Moorish flag. You with me? The Moroccan flag is red with a green star of Solomon, the sacred seal of Solomon. Came into Morocco by way of France. That's where the word more, M-O-O-R, comes from. That's the French way, more. You don't know what they were called in their language. Maybe when I walk up to you and you're from the Morris Science Center of America, whatever nickname you didn't add on and change into with your prerogative, and ask you to speak the language you spoke when you was a all-man, or speak the language you spoke when you was a watchman, or speak the language you spoke as a tune if you can. And Arabic is not that old. Arabic goes back again into biblical languages. Arabic again goes back into Genesis 10. And we know that that is two verses away, or two chapters away, from the Emirates. Genesis 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7 give you the Emirates, and then the, what they call the most eloquent writing, the Gilgamesh Epic, which covers the Lord's blood, which is from the victim. And then you got on 7, 8, 9, 10. And then you start talking about Hebrew, Arabic, Aramic, Akkadian. And then you got to get into 11. You start talking about Chaldean. And not once you mention Arabic. But Arabic is a dialect of Ashura. You know? So you ought to get that back too. A form that has a Jewish star on there. The sixth point is star ain't no Jewish star. Someone lied to you and you lied to yourself, because you told me that David was a Muslim. You said Dawood in the Quran was a So now Dawood is a Muslim, when you saw a brother from Ansar Allah, with a six-pointed star in presence, on his hat, and that star is known as what? Morgan? The star of David, and why would you tell an Ansar, why are you wearing a Jewish star? That was a confession that David was not a Muslim. Plus, nowhere in the books of the Old Testament does David ever refer to himself as a Muslim. Now you say, well, Abraham named you Muslim. That's Quranic again. That, that came up between the year 610 and 631 because Muhammad died in 632. You cannot go to a new book and tell me about old things unless you tell me this book is an old book being retranslated. But you're not saying that about the Quran. You're saying it's a final revelation. Something revealed for the first time. When 99% of it is obviously not the first time here. Everything from prayer, walking, talking, eating, sacrificing, circumcision, and everything else was taken out the door. But because you claim that it wasn't, and if this is a revelation to Muhammad from cover to cover, and you put yourself in a bad way. Because you got to then show me, not in the Quran, show me in the Tanakh, in the Torah, where Abraham calls himself a Muslim. Show me in the Torah, where Moses calls himself a Muslim. And if you say, well, Shalom is the same as Shalom, 
Then why did y'all create Salam and Shalom already existed? Shalom Alexa was good enough. And I talked to each other like that. One second. <laughs> but they didn't even know this. Let me try it again. What does Assalamu Alaikum mean? What does it mean? No, it doesn't. The word Alaikum means what? On. Alaikum means on you all. Alaikum is not through you, it's not in you, it's on you the way that Sambush or that Tahir or that Imma is on your head. This is close. Or this is simple. But it was tricky. Some demon got it and did it again. You understand? Yeah, yeah. If I say to you, Salam, peace, Alaikum, I'm saying peace on you. I'm not wishing you peace. I'm not saying peace through you. The peace is not seen, disguised in your heart, just not in your body, not in your head. It's Ireland, Ireland, on the bottom. So when Muslims greet each other, it's a subtle trick. That's why I got Shalom out here. Rahu Because I tell you, Assalamu Alaikum. The peace be all on you. You don't need peace on you. You need to be in a peaceful state. Wa Alaikum Salam. And on you peace or my salah with you peace with like with my in Arabic it's not with like in your character that's anger that's with like to accompany you somewhere may peace walk beside you maybe that's why so many of y'all get hit by a car because you get hit and the peace gets away <laughs> From the renewal. That's right. <laughs> How come we have not heard that in 1400 years? How come nobody in all this long has stood up and said, you know, Assalamu alaikum does not really mean anything it's to help you. Just make peace be on you, on top of you. Like I put a glass on a cover of table. I put a book on a desk out of my study. Is that real? And I put the print on the book, it would only be on a cover. So you could, if you say, and I Quran, the truth is on the Quran, you would not be saying the Quran has any truth. Alright, now if you read the Subhanallah again, the first couple of verses, you're going to see that Allah, 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 Allah will be in. A feel on their heart, but they translated it in. Deception, hype. Everybody knew we would come. Nobody knew when. Everybody knew this day and time would come. They were calculating, and we were calculating. And we are the best calculators. <laughs> because we have worked it out. But so that is not no Moorish flag. That is a Moroccan flag. Unless the Moors they're talking about are more than fall under the government of Morocco after the 17th century when that flag got there. And when Dus Ali 
Imam was teaching no Jua Ali. Just Ali was not using a Moroccan flag. Because also Marcus Moses Gaudi was also taught by Just Ali. And Marcus Moses Gaudi introduced a red, black, and green, which was originally black, red, and green. The flag as found in the Sudan, the flag of the Mahdiya, with a spear and a crescent. That was the flag, black, red, and green. And all of your revolutionists throughout America, by whatever group or sect, are popping up the Mahdi flag. And don't even know. They got all these black marches, all these red, black, and green flags, all of snapped off. The fair crescent would symbolize the warriors of the Hajjah Dawah tribe that came down from the north to defend Sudan from Lower Egypt, actually, because the Maxi was from the Hajjah Dawah of the of Denali, a place. That was a place. So I'm called John Malawi, that's a name after place. If I'm called Nubian, I'm named after place. But where am I by race? More. What is my nationality? More. If you want to be anything, you're going to be American, you're more American. He said, got that far right, but they got to separate that dog on Islam from it. Because we go back before Islam. All the pharaohs were more. And if you go to Europe and you read in any of their books in Latin, you follow? Don't let them, we got to stop letting them call Moorish brothers Latinos who's not speaking Latin. We got to get away from that too. Got another one in Roman trip. Like Negra and Negro, which I showed y'all in the Bible. The Greeks were calling us Negroes. If all that, the Romans were calling us Morenos. Jesus was called Morenos. You know that in most Latino families, because the mind has been a mess with the parents would tell them, don't be no lazy Morenos. <laughs> That's right, I'm going to tell them. They ain't no different your mother's day. Don't go hang out with low like niggas. The same principle. But somewhere on the line, they made more synonymous with low life. So we gotta reinstate that. But we gotta make it clear to the modern science temple. We are your brothers. But only as far as the truth.
نشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله الوالي الكريم وصلى الله على أنبياء أجمعين والمسيح والمحتي والمجدد لمن مرسلين Are we not the bearers of witness that nothing will exist if Allah didn't create it and that he is alone and has no part and that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sustainer of all the boundless universes. All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend. And send salutations of Allah on all of his prophets and his apostles. And on the Messiah, the anointed one. And on the Mahdi, the guide. And on the Mujaddid, the reformer, which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. You are now listening to The True Light with As-Sayyid al-Imam Isa al-Hadi al-Mahdi. Understanding that the cherubim of the negative angels and the seraphim of the positive angels and they are people who are spiritual descendants of these two natures and why is it so hard for the people who feel that they are of the seraphim to dwell in the tabernacle? All of those people that are seraphim are magnetically attached to the community. Regardless of how far they travel, or what they see, or where they go, they have this desire to come into the tabernacle. Anyone who is at the door of the tabernacle is just listening. Like the Quran says, there are angelic beings who listen at the door when the Holy Quran is being recited only to take those recitations out and pervert them. Many people, whether they're black or white, have become cherubim when they were seraphim by nature. Even the angel himself, Azaz and Lucifer, was an angel of pure light. He chose to go bad. So black people can go bad. So when you stall at the gate, Shaitan gets the best of you. He catches you when your consonance is down. He stands at the door, it says in Genesis, and waits for your consonance to drop. He waits at your weak point. He sends out slanders like he did to Job. He kept sending different men in his image to tell Job how the Lord has killed his family. And he kept saying, I alone have survived to tell you this. You've got to be careful because many people who have the essence of a seraphim, a seraphim are the pure archangels for those who want to know, and the cherubim are the wicked angels who fought against them before judgment. Many of them transform from angels of pure light into angels of fire and never even know it. Still say they're Muslims, still wear the garb, still say they're praying. That's another mistake a lot of pale Arabs tell people that Shaitan doesn't pray. That's not true. Shaitan will pray and his evil servants will also pray. And they will come in a mosque and pray next to you. They will read with you the Quran. They will try to guide you through the scriptures their way. They'll not guide you on the Surah Al-Mustaqeem. They'll not guide you to the covenant. They'll guide you their way. And they'll keep on telling you this is how it really is. This is true Islam. This is the real way because the majority of the educated Arabs accept it. All those people who are educated in those different universities of Islam are not the ones Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides. Those are the ones that professors and teachers of different schools of thought guide. 
it's a big difference. So the point I'm trying to make is a serpent knows where he belongs and goes there. In Father, that's why he says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. When that spirit was restored to David, when he had his soul restored, he said, he restored my, my soul. Then he followed by leading me to the path of righteousness for his name's sake. You see that? And he also left by saying, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not I'll dwell outside with my opinions. And you better be very careful, especially you people in there who might be sincere, about those people who sit at the door of the community. They've been in, they absorb a certain amount, and they sit at the door and pretend they're here, and they're out teaching, dressed like us, pretend they're us, never have no intentions of being in here. They're more of the devil's children than they are of Ansar. They have came in and have turned back. The Quran refers to them as the Munafik. The Munafikan, or some people translate it as a hypocrite, or the real word for Munafik means a divider, a divider. He divides himself from the community in certain aspects and pretends he's in with us at other times. He says he's with us, he says he's like us, he says he believes in the teachings, he says he'll, he'll, he, uh, the Imam Isa is his leader, etc, etc, but he's not in. He says, because I don't like this, and I don't like that, and this doesn't go this way, and I heard this, and I heard that. That is not a seraphim. That is a cherubim in black skin. And he can be as confused about whether or not he is a fallen angel as you can be about whether or not you are a rising angel. Inside his body, there's turmoil or legions pulling him in different directions. That is the devil getting the best of him. Because the righteous come in. The righteous are looking at the signs of the time and they come in. They don't waste no time. They're looking at the world, the events of the world, they're looking at plagues and diseases and they go right in. You understand what I'm saying? You want to read the Revelation and get a better understanding. The 19th chapter. And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Allahumma or Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our Creator, which they say is God. For true and righteous are His judgments. For He has judged the great whore, which is Babylon, the city that you're in, which did corrupt the earth, the whole world, with her fornication, and has avenged the blood of his servants and her hands, meaning the prophets and the saints that this harlot has destroyed, just to prevent the truth. And again, they, meaning the righteous inside heaven, who made it to heaven, which you read in the 23rd chapter, is referred to as the crystal city, said, Allahumma or Hallelujah. And her smoke rose up forever and ever. This is all a continuation of the book of Revelation chapter 18 about the smoke of Babylon. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped Allah that sat on the throne saying, Amen. It's over meaning. Hallelujah. Okay? And a voice came out of the throne saying, Alhamdulillah, praise our Creator Allah, all ye his servants, and ye that bear him, taqwa, that's mustaqim, both small and great, be he a king or a servant. And I heard, as it were, a voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as a voice of a mighty thunder, saying, 
Hallelujah. That was an applause to the righteous who endured to the end, who got the crown of life, who stayed in the tabernacle, will be saying, Hallelujah, that it's over. For the Lord, Allah, omnipotent, reigneth. It steps above all ye gods and the Messiah and all of your prophets. Now the whole boundless universe who is Rabbil Alameen, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is Malik al yawmuddin he now rules as the omnipotent source over all. Now it says, let us be glad and rejoice. Remember Jesus said rejoice and be exceedingly glad because great is your reward in heaven. Speaking about the people who would be slandered and persecuted and spoke out against false. He said, blessed are the persecuted. Remember that? Blessed were man shall revile thee and say, all manners of evil against thee falsely for my name's sake. Because great is your reward in heaven. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, he says. You understand? So it's the people we're talking about on the inside that we have to worry about people reviling and saying all manners of evil against us. They have all kinds of stories about Jama Ansarullah in the Bid Islamic Hebrews. It tells us to rejoice, to be exceedingly glad. And it follows up in that Latin city in that in the seventh uh, verse of the nineteenth chapter. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. And throughout the scriptures, whenever they speak of the marriage of the Lamb, they say it's to the tabernacle of the Most High. They say that it comes down as prepared as a bride, which we'll read as we go on. It'll prove it. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed. That means you were given the right. That's why it says it was granted that you should wear your white. It was granted that you should be arrayed in fine linen. Many Christian preachers try to imply that this wearing of white is a symbolic of your purity. No, it uses the word linen, which is a cloth, a white cloth. That John the Baptist and all the righteous have known for centuries to wear. And now if you go to look to Mecca, you see all Muslims come from different parts of the world wearing all kind of flowery colors and stupid costumes. But when they get around Beit Haram in Mecca, around the Kaaba, Allah Ta'ala tells them, be like Nabi Ibrahim al-Hanifan and wear that white, that simple white. But all throughout the Quran it tells us to be like Nabi Ibrahim. But they feel they can wear any color when they're outside of Mecca. No, Allah Ta'ala tells us by high, by the pilgrimage, by the Hajj, that we should be wearing white at all times. And that's a sign of our purity, but it's also the garment of the righteous. Clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. That means we are living in the image and following in the sunnah of all of those prophets who was up until Rasulullah alayhi salatu wasalam, Muhammad, who was Khatim Anbiya, the seal of all of those prophets. Number nine, and he said unto me, write, speaking to John of course, write, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, these are the true sayings of Allah. And I fell at his feet to worship him. John, when he heard this, wanted to fall down and prostrate himself at the feet of the angel, who was Mikael, the one who walks him through the books of Revelation, to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou, do it not. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren, that have the testimony of Isa. I am one of your brethren, 
But Jesus said, I sent this angel in, in Revelation chapter 1 to signify my word, you see. And he's telling him, I'm also a testimony because you're speaking in the reign of Jesus' time where John, where the Kalima would be completed with the word becoming flesh as Jesus, not as Muhammad at that time. So they would say, La ilaha illallah, Isa Rasulullah. The way we after Muhammad came say, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. So that's why he claimed testimony to Jesus at this point because Muhammad had not yet come. And he was speaking about the future world. Worship Allah though. He made sure he put after testimony of Jesus. Worship who? Worship Allah. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So the testimony of Jesus is merely a spirit of prophecy. But your worship is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only. He alone has no partners. And I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were flames of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with the vestures dipped in blood. And his name is called Kalim Allah, the word of Allah. In the Holy Quran they teach us that Jesus was called Kalim Allah also. He was still had the word of Allah with him. Alright? And the armies which were in heaven, notice that, followed him upon the white horse, clothed in linen, white and clean. Now this is talking about after the thousand year rebellion, when the 144,000 had been taken up to the crystal city, there to be groomed by the Messiah. Isa ibn Maryam, who even in Al-Islam we acknowledge, or you acknowledge, would return. You follow? Now the devil had been locked up for a thousand years and let loose on the world. Like he does in the book of Job. He let loose on the world the total temptation of all humanity. And at this point, those who had been in heaven for a thousand years, those first resurrectionists, are being ready to come back to wage war against the devil. I feel sorry for you people who don't make the first resurrection. Because when the devil is let loose from the pit on earth, he's going to wreak havoc that you've never felt before. And his day is approaching. Fifteen. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he could smite the nation. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treated the winepress. What are we speaking about? He's talking about the judgment that the Messiah and the 144,000 is going to pass upon the world and upon Satan. He's going to judge people by the tongue out of his mouth. The two-edged sword out of his mouth is to cut up lies like a serpent, a sting. He's going to come forth with truth. The two edges are backed up by the languages of prophecy. The speaking in tongues and in translation. 
to make things clear in language. And this is the problem we have as teaching al-Islam here in America and trying to resurrect people is they say we, we spend too much time on the words. It's the meaning of words that makes the scriptures clear because they called him the word. So you got to start with the words, the written word, and through that there you can make things clear. Instead he's going to judge and rule by a rod of iron. There's going to be a lot of suffering because they use that same reason, that rod, to calculate the number of the beast and to calculate those who are in the tabernacle from those who have given themselves over to become Gentiles. The wine press is mentioned as being as high as the bridle of a horse in Revelation, which is three feet from the ground where it says blood will run through the streets at the height of a bridle. The horse's bridle stands three feet from the ground. The fourth is the wrath of the Almighty Allah. These 144,000 will come forth with the power of Allah to sting the world. And he has on his vesture and on his thighs the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And the reason why they refer to Isa ibn Maryam as King of Kings and Lord of Lords is because David himself was a Messiah, which is clearly mentioned in Psalms chapter 2. Every time you see the word anointed in the Bible, the word anointed means Messiah, Messiah, or Mesha, or Misha, depending on whether it's Arabic, Aramic, or Hebrew. But they'll translate Messiah into the word anointed when they don't want to mislead people into the truth by accident. <laughs> so they make you think that anointed is one word and Messiah is the next. Any biblical or Bible dictionary, you look up the word Messiah, they'll translate it anointed. So they had to point out that this final Messiah here was King of Kings. His judgment is greater than the book of the kings. Because they had prophets who wrote the book called the Book of Kings. And David taught out of that stuff in the Psalms of Solomon. And they were saying that this one is the King of Kings. Because he comes with grace. Grace is nirmah, or forgiveness. And the Lord of Lords, he's over every rabbi that have ever existed. He's the master of all the rabbis. He no longer falls under Kohen. He no longer falls under Levitical law because he was not a Levite. So they had to establish that he was higher than all of them. Okay? And I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of the heavens come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great Lord or the great creator why did this happen? because if we go back to the books of the prophet Noah alayhi salatu wasalam and how he was summoned before the judgment of the world of his time to gather all the animals together here we're speaking about the judgment again and remember the first time the world was going to be judged it was judged by water but this time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says it shall be judged by fire so he called the birds to bear witness number 18 that ye may eat of the flesh of the king and the flesh of the captain and the flesh of the mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them 
and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. Of course, the next question comes up, what is he talking about, about eating the flesh? Do you people have a Quran in there? If you do, turn your Quran to Surah Tufil, which is the Surah of the Elephant. Would someone read it? Uh, okay, this is the 105th Surah of the Quran. It has been the Bismillah from Abraham, in the name of Allah, and the Lord, the merciful. Hast thou not seen how the Lord dealt with the people of the elephants? Pause. The people of the elephants were Abraha and them who came through Ethiopia, from through Yemen, through Ethiopia, to try to take the Kaaba because they knew of the birth of the Prophet Muhammad and Allah Ta'ala protected the Kaaba this way he came forth with elephants riding to, to conquer and stomp all the people around the Kaaba and put their guards and their idols there but Allah protected the Kaaba this way go ahead okay second verse did he not manifest their scheming to destroy the Kaaba was given an error, the grave error and consequently on them he sent airborne flocks throwing hot stones from Sijil by throwing the stones from Sijil he made their flesh raw like kernels of quickly consumed corn and chewed hay that's it Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alam tara kaifa fa'ala rabbuka bi ashabihim Alam yaj'al kaidahum fi ta'dil war'assala 'alayhim tayrin abahil tarmihim bi hijaratin min sijil faj'alahum qasim maqul If you make note that tayrin in the third verse again, could you read it? Consequently, Consequently, on them he sent airborne flocks. Thayrim, or the birds. He used, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used the birds. This, by the way, is where Al-Hishqaq got his picture concept. He used the birds to attack these people who came out against the Mecca while he was against the followers of Rasulullah This is how he protected them. And he will protect the 144,000 again when he calls the birds. I just want you to see that a lot of biblical quotes match directly to the Quranic meaning. If they just read the Quran, they'd see what they meant. If you ask the average Christian preacher what this is talking about, they wouldn't even know. Ezekiel 38:18 also will speak about it. 19. Again. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth. And their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. So now the beast, the devil himself, had got his armies together and they are preparing to war against El Messiah and the 144,000. Notice that this is a replica of that story in the Quran, Surah Tufil, when those horsemen on elephants came to make war against Mecca where Rasulullah Muhammad would be born and fell. Number 20 And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet not prophets 
a false prophet, because there will be a flatterer who's going to come in the name of the Messiah and deceive the world, Daniel teaches. A false Christ who's going to rise up and fool the whole world. We call him Messiah as the Jal in Islam. Many Muslims are going to drop their deen and follow this false prophet that worked miracles before him. And this false prophet will have the power to perform miracles. Many times people ask me concerning Christian preachers and how do they heal. The devil has the power to heal. The devil was an angel. If I, you can heal in the name of Jesus Christ and be wrong. You can heal in the name of Buddhism and be wrong. With which he deceives them that had received the mark of the beast. His miracles and his falseness as a false Christ is how he's going to deceive people and give them the mark. Now in Al-Islam, Rasulullah Muhammad wasalam, throughout the hadith, they keep making mention of, you know, the followers of Masih al-Dijala because they'll have a kafir on their forehead, the letter K. Now, what they have misinterpreted is that they have people looking for a letter K when it doesn't mean that. The letter K is symbolic of the kafir. And when you look at people who are living in the image of the beast, and if you look at the Arab world today, and if you look at the president of Egypt, no beard, no tagir, suit, tie, he's dressed like any other Britishman. And the same thing would be Syria, Jordan, Morocco, and even Saudi Arabia, and up until recently, even the Sudan. These people are living in the image of the beast. Therefore, when you see them, you see a K. You see a Kafir. They have the mark of the beast on them. The whole Muslim world is making a transition from following the Sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad, living the way he had prescribed for us to live, dressing the way he dressed, eating the way he ate, praying the way he prayed, and doing things the way he did it. Now we're following the hadith of men from different parts of the world who are altering them to suit their culture. Now there's Muslims dressing like Pakistanians and like Afghanistanians and some Arabs come here and they dress like Americans, put on little silly hats and plaid shirts and, <laughs> and go to college here at NYU and give up total Sunnah and then call themselves Sunnis and look at an Ansar and say we're not Muslims. What a joke. It tells you that you can expect to see them with the mark of the beast. And when one of them walks up to you and Arab, I don't care what country he's from, he walks up to you, the first thing you ask him, are you a Muslim? And ask him, is he a Muslim? And he says, yeah, I'm a Muslim, I'm from Egypt. Say, that don't make you a Muslim. <laughs> Following the way of the Prophet Muhammad, he left two things for you, Quran or Sunnah. Following his way is what makes you a Muslim. And if I look at you from head to toe, and I don't see you dressed in the likes of him, then you're not a Muslim. I don't care what white Arabs told you, how much flattery they give you, so that they can make friends with Christians and Jews. After Allah tells us not to, Christians and Jews don't even understand their own doctrine. They're fighting each other. Holy Quran, uh, chapter 2, verse 1 to 14 tells you that. They don't even know what they're talking about. They're fighting and they both have the same scripture. Or they're disputing about Abraham and their books came after him. 
yet the Muslim world is trying to emulate all these kings are trying to act like and live like the American world. An average Muslim, you see, if he calls himself a Muslim and he's not in a Sunnah, say you're not a Muslim yet. Say you may be trying to become a Muslim. And I don't care if you're born in Sudan, or born in Egypt, or born in Morocco, or born in Saudi. Now, if you're not just in the Sunnah, and you haven't found your way to the Sunnah, Rasulullah, don't tell me you're a Sunni. Because you're a hypocrite. And then, that worship, his image. Our people now worship his image. Our women straighten their hair. They put them in blue contact. Stop trying to live in his image and put back on your garb of righteousness. And all you people who slid out of your jelly beard and slid back into American clothes and plaid caps and checkered shirts, slide right back into the path of righteousness. Because judgment is near. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone, which is another word for sulfur. The 16th Revelation 13 chapter would also support that. And the remnant was slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowl were filled with their flesh. 15, 17 in Revelation will back it up, and 18, as well as 17, 16 in Revelation will back it up. Those that are left over after the devil and the false prophet is cast in a fire and brimstone, then the 144,000 will destroy you themselves. You will be destroyed also. Those who are the remnant will be slain. You'll be destroyed. When we destroy you, we'll be with the tongue of our mouth. The way the Ansar Allah community is coming forth now into the world, and we put everybody on the spot, and we question everybody's teachings, and we make them question their leaders, and their leaders can't answer, so all they do is they don't believe those people. <laughs> but you cannot stop the truth of the Ansar Allah community. And that's what they know. All of Sunni Muslims and the Shiites and all the different groups and the Bilalians and, the, and everybody that hates our community, they can talk about everything about our morality, about the moral conduct. They can create all kinds of stories on, I heard this and I heard this. I heard he has all these millions of wives and all these millions. They can create all that. Everything. And you say, forget the man. Okay, he don't count. What about the truth? Let me ask you some questions about the Quran or about the scripture. It can't go. That's what you judge by. Let's read on. Now we move on to number 20. And I saw an angel come down, this is Mikhail, from heaven, having a key of the bottomless pit and great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan and bound him a thousand years. Revelation 12, 9. We'll give you another description of Satan. Now, Mikhail comes down after this, after that thousand year period, after this rage war, and he grabs a hold of Satan. The false prophet, remember, is already gone. Now Satan himself is left. What does he do with him? He's going to bound him up again. And bounds him a thousand years and casts him into the bottomless pit 
and shut him up and set the seal upon him. You see that ring on your finger? It has a six-pointed star and crescent. That ring you wear on your finger with the six-pointed star and crescent is the seal that can bound the devil. You can't get around him. How many of y'all who wear that ring have had a devil walk up to you and say, Do you know what that means? Have you know it? Bear witness. White man will see that ring on your finger and say, Excuse me, can I see that symbol a minute? And his face will fall apart. He'll go, what does that mean? Is that, is that Islam? Is that Judaism? Ooh, what are you? You say, I'm an Islamic Hebrew. He goes, a what? An Islamic Hebrew. I follow the religion of Abraham. It's not possible. You can't be an Islami and be a Hebrew. And say, you're right. You can. I can. <laughs> I am the nation that Father Abraham was talking about. You knew I was coming. You knew I'd come like a thief in the night. You didn't think we were going to tell you you was here. While Honorable Elijah Muhammad was preaching, and while Noah Jalali was preaching, and while Sheikh Dawa was preaching, and while the Sunni Muslims and Ahmadiyya was preaching, we wasn't preaching, we were building. We came like a thief in the night. He just looked around, and we were here. When we looked around, the rest of them, they said, I just looked around, and they were gone. <laughs> he just looked around, and we're here. And now he has to contend with this new thing. The doctrine is unstoppable. He knew it. But that seal, you better get your seal and keep it on because it's your protection against it. Don't let nobody fool you.
man is not promising you jack with a hurricane on his way into Georgia in two days. And he ain't telling you nothing. He said, Puerto Rico got hit, the islands in the Caribbean got hit, and guess what they call it? What's that little creature with this, who's got the color like this here? What's his name? Barney. <laughs> hurricane coming. It's called Hurricane Barney. And what are they trying to do that to kids for? <laughs> now Barney comes through and tears up the house and kids are going to be taking up. It's much like, it's like, like your uncles and fathers go hunting for deer on Christmas Eve. And while the child is waiting for the reindeer to come, they might walk into the garage where the uncles and pops have gutted the deer. They open the door, they open the door and they see Rudolph hanging up there with his guts hanging outside. Trauma for the kids messed up for life because of that. They can't do nothing about the phenomena of nature. Meanwhile, while you have to ask yourself, why would they waste their time messing with the Nuwabians, as they like to call it, Nuwabians? Why would they be messing with the Nuwabians at this close proximity to destruction? I mean, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not going for the, oh boy, he's a doomsday preacher. You don't have to believe, you don't, <laughs> I do not care if you don't believe this stuff getting ready. I don't care if you don't believe the meteorites are coming. Your government knows it. <laughs> you know what? This week they had on the news that they uh, figured out a way to regrow the bones. And they figured out a way to reanimate tissue. Now, no, that's on the news. We have, you know, we, 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 we stay in there. Did anybody, did anybody hear about it? Well, we did. Check it, go on your computer. Or people of, of African descent, keloid, is because there was a time where we were able to re our limbs as gods. They thought I was crazy. That, that nigga is nuts. Anywhere in the world, but you have their arm cut off and it regrow. Well, now the scientists are saying they can regrow limbs. They can, your, your bone can be cut off here, and they have a way now where that bone will go back and that flesh can grow back. Well, they grew an ear on a rat, and y'all saw that on television. Well, of course, they can grow your finger back. What does that mean? It means one thing, that the scientific community is being exposed to things they never was exposed to before. Whole new science. Carson is ready to have an operation to repair his ear. He may be in line for a remarkable new technology being developed here at the University of Massachusetts. A technology that won't just fashion him an ear from existing tissue, but one that through tissue engineering will actually grow him a new one. This is an example of growing an ear in the shape of a human ear on a rabbit ear. So it's actually an ear grown on an ear. That's just one of the wonders Dr. Charles Vacanti of the UMass Medical Center has created. His most memorable to date is this now famous mouse with a human-shaped ear growing on its back. The ear was made from cow cartilage, which grows much more easily than human tissue. But Vacanti has since been able to grow ears made of human cartilage in mice. I think we're very, very close. I suspect probably less than two years, probably within a year, of doing the same thing in a human. For example, if this was Carson's ear, we would first make a mold of his ear. 
To engineer tissue, Vacanti first molds a biodegradable scaffold in the shape of the body part, then covers it with the appropriate cells. As the cells grow, the scaffold melts away, leaving what just a few years ago would have seemed impossible. As a medical advance, I suspect that tissue engineering will be as significant as antibiotics. It's not just ears Vacanti is creating, but other structures like a windpipe and hard-to-repair bone. He's also found a way to make nerve cells divide and grow, a potential treatment for brain and spinal cord injuries. Other scientists are growing organ tissue, and Vacanti foresees a day when injured or ill people will have replacement parts grown for them. For example, you have liver failure. Instead of having to wait until a donor liver is available, I believe you'll be able to engineer a liver of your own cells. Grow your own liver. Grow your own liver. Something else we mentioned, they recently mentioned, I don't know if y'all know, I hope y'all did. They talked about children, and the father's only 10% of the child now, and the mother's 90%. What? Do you know that? Well, yeah. See, here's what happened. This is going to get into your doctrine in a way where if you really get into it, you go, oh, man. If you don't know the doctrine, this might not catch you. The, um... Woman, the woman's body, mitochondria DNA, which predates man by a thousand years, when woman was God. Woman's body has a defense mechanism in it. Do we agree? Yes. Like a man's body. No, somebody say. Well, if you take alien blood from anybody, I'll make it clear, and inject it into a woman, in six to eight weeks, her blood will overthrow that alien blood. You know, that's why they have to be very careful with transfusions that they get people who have the same type of blood because your body will reject it. Now, transplanting organs has proven that to be a fact. That if they give you someone else's heart, the problem is always what? Rejection. Why does it reject it? Because your body has a built-in mechanism for it to defend itself against alien properties of all kinds. And even in the blood, ask anybody about blood. If you inject blood, if you have to, if you have to get a transfusion, your body will overthrow that blood in six to eight weeks, or that blood, or it will eventually kill you. If they add, add a liver to your liver, they have a certain amount of cells. They must keep your body constantly uh, filled up with what do they call it? No, anti what? I'm trying to, but I'm trying to get simple about it. Is the way we use um, not antibiotics. Uh, it goes. You have a, a body that attacks everything. Your immune system. Thank you. They got to keep inject, injecting you with serums to keep your immune system extremely high. They right now say if you have cancer and you have a very high immune system, then you can of course take radiation, chemotherapy. But if you don't, it'll kill you. That's understood. Well, that's because it's alien to the body. You with me so far? All right. So now, once we establish the immune system and keeping the immune system, so therefore any alien organs would be able to survive for a period of time, but they have not succeeded yet with any transplants. Right here in your lower abdomen. This is an intriguing thought to patients suffering from kidney failure, like Kate Sullivan. Faced with a lifetime of dialysis, she recently had to ask someone close to her to make a difficult decision. My sister and I are super close, and 
I couldn't think of anybody else that would go through the kind of surgery that it is. I mean, it's not, it's not simple and there's a lot of pain involved and a lot of healing. And I don't think you can just ask anybody to do that. As soon as I found out that she needed a kidney and that a living related donor would be the best one, I said that she could have mine. The transplant was a success. And a few months later, Kate was in excellent health and well on her way to a full recovery. But Kate must still take 29 pills every day to stop her body from rejecting her sister's kidney. A kidney from her clone would be a perfect match. If I needed a kidney and I could get one from a clone, I would definitely do it. Because the most important thing would be that you wouldn't have to take the anti-rejection medicine. Because I see what my sister's gone through and I think that's the hardest thing about the kidney operation is that she has to take so much medication. And since Kate's new kidney may only last for 10 to 20 years, she may have to go through the transplant process again. At that time, human cloning may be an option. It has always been rejected. No one has succeeded. They have they extended the period of time, you know, but it doesn't last ever. Eventually, the alien's uh, organ dies. All right, so then, if a man and a woman are together, sexually, that is, when a man releases semen into the woman, it's what? It's alien to her. What is the first thing her body thinks to do? To attack. But they found out, scientists, that there's a certain part of the brain that triggers and it releases a serum that creates an egg inside the womb of the mother. It's an egg or a bag, a pouch. You follow that? And the baby or the fetal is in this bag. And it's kept in a lubricant lubricant of water that is producing the hormone so that it is actually fighting against her invading the baby and killing it. When the, bra when, the, when the brain does not trigger this properly, you hear me? And it doesn't send enough of these defense mechanisms, there's a miscarriage. Yes, I'm fine. Right? If too many of these things get in the bloodstream and into the baby, when the baby is born, within six to eight weeks, there's cradle death. It still attacks the baby. They'll tell you they don't know what cradle death is, because they don't know. <laughs> but it's a scientific fact. So now, what actually happens is, the baby in the womb of the human female as a mammal is living in a sack of water. Has anybody here been raised on a farm? Good. Well, I mean, you see a hen laying egg, right? Does it come out hard or soft? A lot, of, a lot of city folk might not know that. When a, no, not tell me when they don't. Uh, when a hen lays an egg, it's soft. You follow? And then when it hits the air, it begins to harden. The same thing happens with the placenta of the woman. When they first remove it from the woman, it's soft. And just in a couple of minutes, it starts to harden up, the clots. Where am I reaching at? I'm reaching at the fact that women have an egg inside of them. That they really give birth to an egg. But unlike the, the chickadee, it cracks the shell on the outside of the body. You call it my water breaking. And the egg breaks inside and the baby comes forth. 
And sometimes they'll say, the egg collapsed and put a thin veil over the baby's face. And uh, let's say the medieval doctors who didn't quite understand what that meant said that baby was born with a seventh veil. Had a, had a veil over his face. That's a mystical baby. He's going to be psychic or clairvoyant or something. And that passed all the way down to grandma saying seventh kid, seventh kid of a seventh kid has a seventh veil on his face. All that was was the shell of the egg collapsing. Got your attention, don't you? Well, science is very interesting. I've always told y'all for years, study science. Because once you master science, religion looks funny. I mean, it looks real cute, but it's a nice, it's a nice institution. People need it. People need it. it. Keeps them out of trouble. But it has nothing to do with this. What are we saying here? We're saying that human beings are a form of mammal that has an egg inside, and the baby is developed in a liquid substance. So, thus, the baby is breathing with gills and does not inherit its lungs until it comes. And sometimes in the hospital, they have to pump water out of the baby's lungs. Showing that the, just like the, the movie, uh, the, what's it called? The Abyss. That the lungs were full of water until it... So there's a transformation or a metamorphosis from a sea creature with, with gills to a land creature with lungs within that period. The frightening part about it is that when we go back to religious doctrine, especially Western world religious doctrine and Middle Eastern religious doctrine, such as Islam and Christianity, we get this character called the devil who becomes a serpent. A snake. Now, of course, in our doctrine, we've always had a problem with a talking snake in the garden. So it didn't ever sit with us that a snake was holding a conversation with Eve. didn't make sense to us. And that was our way of, of asking them to explain it. We understood he was a Drago. We understood Drago and Dragon is in the Bible. As Tainini. We understood that. Right? But they didn't. So it was more fun to say, we're talking about, you know, how a snake could talk who they're calling the devil in Genesis chapter 3, who travels all the way to Revelations as the dragon. But this being called the devil was identified with a serpent. When they say Leviathan, again, they give it, you look it up in the Bible, they say oh, a big sea creature. Tainim, a walking dragon, right on the temples of Babylon, they used to have the drawings of a snake with legs. Alright? Then scientists admitted that the original snake had hips. We've shown that in our book. If the original snake had hip bones, then it had legs. Then like the Bible will now on your belly show you go, unless the scientists do that before and wrote that after, on your belly show you go in days of your life, became oh, so the snake once walked around on four with a snake body and dropped down. Well, that's the Komodo dragon. That's why a whole bunch of kids are attracted to having um, lizards and, what's the other one they have in the houses? 
the iguanas and they're attracted to this creature while people wrap snakes around them and keep snakes and stuff as pets and feed their snake chickens, little chickadees like it's okay, and watch them consume it. There's some, there's some uh, parental <laughs> tie to the lizard and the monkey to make the man. The monkey being uh, the uh, mammal that uses its lungs and the le lizard being the uh, repti reptilian that uses its gills and lays eggs. Now, some reptilians lay eggs on land, some reptilians lay eggs in sea, and some reptilians keep the eggs inside their body and deliver them just like a human being does after the fetal has reached its growth stage. You hear me? What is coming into reality is that when we go back to ancient Tamara, the original name of uh, Egypt, and we look into our own ancestors, when they speak about the birth of the world, they speak about the primordial egg. Remember that? Western world stole it and called it the goose that laid the golden egg. And the goose that laid the golden egg is a goose that lays the sun, because the sun has always been a symbol of your gold. And they also stole it and came up with the stork that delivers the baby. Now let's combine the two. The goose that lays the golden egg and the stork that delivers the baby says that children are coming from a bird. We have three powerful birds in ancient Tamara. The falcon, the hawk, and the buzzard. Those are the three most powerful birds. The reason why they call them the most powerful birds is because Ra, Amun, and Horus all shared symbols throughout the writings and hieroglyphics where they, they were at one or other times depicted as one of those birds, all of the birds. The wise bird, of course, was the owl. But what separated the owl from the other three birds is that he's the only bird with his eyes in the front of his face like a human. No other bird on the planet has his eyes in the front of his face, and he's also a nocturnal hunter like humans. Say what? Well, see, humans see better in the dark than they do in the light. And this is why when they walk into a dark room for the first couple of minutes, they can't see. And after a few seconds, things start coming to shape and form. We really see better in the dark than we do in the light, but we've been told cut on the light to see our way around. Because the people who govern us and create the laws don't see well in the dark. So they got to lighten everything up. You hear me? But way back then, they said that Ra, the sun deity, came from noon. Noon, the Muslims even stole it and put it in the Quran as an initial letter, noon. And they say noon represents the what? The well that Jonah was in. It's also in the Hebraic teachings too. Noon. The well that Jonah was in. You see that? Man inside of a fish. Or man in fish. Now the definition given in ancient Tamara for the man in the fish or the human reptilian was a poppy. Or papa. What is that? Father. That's the Pope. 
He wears a fish-shaped hat and identifies with an ancient Babylonian deity called Dagon, which identifies with an ancient Malian fleet of gods that came from heaven, and the tribe is called the Dogon, and the beings that came to them were called the Namus, and they were supposed to, according to Dogon writings, hear me? roam at night only and go into the sea during the day. So they live in the sea. Well, then we go to Sudan and we find that they say beneath the Nile there are beings that live there. Denier. You understand? And these, they say, in their traditions, these beings come out at night to teach human beings and stay in the water by day. It's like at night you instinctively say, it's night time, I'm going to go to bed, I must take a bath and get into water. You get up in the morning and say, well, I'm getting ready to face the world, I got to go take a, boy, my skin is dry, I must moisture it, otherwise what will happen? My scales will start to show. We call it rashiness and ashiness. But what we're really saying is, if I don't keep the outer surface of my skin moist, I will dehydrate and scale off and can scrape off dead skin like any other reptilian. Oh yeah. Certain human beings' jaw bones are constructed where their front teeth and their bottom teeth don't touch. Their back two teeth connect. Oh, a lot of people. They're round. Okay. She's honest. I got them. They don't touch. They have a round, you know, their mouth is round. You ever see that? Because those other mammals and stuff chew their could. So they constantly chew their food over and over with their back teeth, swallow it into one stomach or the other, and then regurgitate it again and chew it again, like cows and stuff called chewing their could. You see? But certain, for some reason, certain of us human beings, if we all come in one strain, certain of us have the mouth of a fish. We have this obsession that it is romantic to make love near the water on the beach. It is natural to go into the water to bathe before we make love. You follow? We drink water all day. Otherwise, we will de- Doctors say, you better keep taking in liquids. If you took a fish and put it in a container, the only way you can keep that fish alive, if you don't put it back in water, is to do what? Keep on putting, keep it wet. You all hear me? So in our ancient days, in ancient, in our time, ancient, I don't know what to do with y'all. Back in ancient Egypt, in ancient Sumeria, they say the same thing. A fish man came out of the Tigris Euphrates and taught the Sumerians. Now the An- Anutu, Anutu is the name they have before they get to Gi or Ki. When they get to Gi or Ki, Anutu changes into Anunnaki. And that's Anu, Na, and Gi, or Ki, or one of the names for the planet Earth. Ancient 
Egyptian or Tamara name for the planet Earth was Tanin. Tanin. Tanin is in your Bible where they have serpent. Not in Genesis chapter 3, they purposely selected another word, Nakash. And they uh, selected that word Nakash because it means divination in Hebrew or to whisper. And of course, the Muslims who steal everything from the Jews brought it over into the Quran and Simple Nazi and call it Khanash. Nakash, Khanash. And in the Quran, it's still written up as the whispering devil. You hear me? So we have a tie-in to people coming out the water and teaching us whether it was in Mali at the Dogon, which also would cover Senegal and Morocco and uh, Mediterranean, all the Moorish places, because all that was one at one time. Then we have El Gore. Horn, which is where Arabia and all that area was, and they have in their writings that fish people, people who have human have fish in some form of fashion, came out and taught them. And then we go into Egypt, and we have the primordial egg coming up out floating along the sea, and coming out of the water was Ra, right? And from Ra, of course, Atum. Uh, gave birth to, to that rock principle, and we have those three moods of the of the ray, because really it's the ray, not rock. And those three moods of the ray was atum, atun, and amun. And atun was also referred to as simply tun. He was tun in the morning, and he was he was I'm sorry, atun in the morning and tun in the evening, where apparently, or as they say, the sun sets, where set, or the setting of the sun comes in, where they travel the darkness through the shadow and come back around again each morning for the sun to come back. But still, it meant going beneath the sea. They didn't look at the sun in ancient Egypt as going beneath the land. They saw it as going beneath the sea, and they would go down in the morning at the sea and they wait for the sun to come over. And they say, God walked the water up to them. This was the ancient sun worship custom. And what they were looking at is the sun apparently to come over the horizon and as it traveled the water, they stood on the, on the dry land near the beach in the morning, their hands raised up and they watched it and they watched it come up and they did this with it until the sun bathed them in the warmth and the vitality and, and, and they knew that that was a rays that would grow their food and they gave thanks at that moment. That was Babylonian, Egyptian, African, Mayan, Aztecian, Eskimo, everybody except the Christian. And of course, the Christian regurgitated and gave birth to Muslims. Which means they took portions of Christianity and Judaism and fabricated their own religion. Alright, called Islam. But even it is based on the sun. And Christianity is based on the sun. It's just that they made the sun a man and called him 
the Egyptians made the sun ray a man and called him Amun. So he became Amun Ray, Lord Jesus Christ. The Hindus did the same thing. The Dogon did the same thing. They all prayed to the sun. You follow? And the sun is the most deadly thing that a reptilian can get caught in. Because the sun will. So it was hell to get caught in the sun. So they created from the Greek word Helios, from where the Egyptians, or the Greeks call the Egyptian city Heliopolis, Helios, hell. And told their people, one time no one thought hell was down, they thought hell was up. They thought as you go toward the sun, or that the sun was coming down to earth to burn everybody. That's in the Bible. Coming down to earth to burn you up. In fact, they say in the Bible, the Lord will no longer destroy the world by water, but more by fire. They're thinking of the fire burning the whole world up. The only being that would be afraid of the sun would be being that are afraid of dehydration or the people who could not dive back into the water away from the sun until it passes its three stages. And only people that understood sun worship and Atum, Atun, and Amun would know the stages. You see? So Christianity set it up where to look like they know, they worship on Sunday. You see? And they put a halo or halo, Helios, a ring of gold around Christ's head, which is the iris of the god's ray of Egypt, a circular. And so the Greeks knew his name was Asaru, so they called him Osiris. And put the big O there, because if you look in any science book under the symbol of the sun, you get a big cipher for O. Yeah, that? And Lu meant primitive. Lu cipher meant 
primitive cipher. Yeah. Lucifer became the primitive cipher or the bright morning star, which is the sun. So Christ was called the early morning star, and then in Isaiah, Lucifer is called the bright morning star, both representing the sun disk. You hear me? So there is a relationship between mortals here, men, women, and reptilians. That's why, if you hold up your hand and look at it, it's yours, you can do it. Stretch your fingers as far as you can apart, and now turn over and look back, and look between here, and you'll see you once had webs. You may not like the way it looks. But if you have skin that must stay moist, if you have the ability to reanimate limbs, yes. if you have webs and scales and, and need water, and then we'll take a hen's egg and eat it soft scrambled or write out the egg, mix it up for vitality. Do you know that snakes hunt down other snake eggs and turtle eggs, they swallow them, and then they spit out the shell. So when you're having that sunny side egg, and your wife say, that's slimy looking, why are you eating that? That slimy egg that you're eating is an identification with your reptilian nature. That obsession with swimming pools and beaches and, and salt water, the moment you jump into salt water, you, it goes right into your head and clears it up. So, man, I had a cold before I died in here. All of dust and mucus that was in the air just went out through that guy in the salt, in a, in a salt water. Why? Why are you so comfortable in salt water? Why, you, why is it? Now, listen, if I took salt and threw it in your face, what would happen? What would it do to your eyes? So how come you can open your eyes in the salt water in the beach? And the salt that you get is from the salt water in the beach. Why is it that once you get back under the water, your body readjusts immediately and your nerves in your eyes do not pick, do not pick up the salt as something that's attacking it, but you're able to... You ever do this? Why is it? Because you'll have the ability to readapt to your original environment. Because if you went right, if me and you went to the beach right now and dived under the water, we could open our eyes. If I went right to the house and got a sea salt and threw it in your eyes, you'd have a fit. <laughs> so what happens is, when you're standing on dry land, your, your, your body calibrates where you are and adjusts itself for where you are. And when you dive in the water, the moment it hits the water, your body has to recalibrate itself and adjust it to where you are. You follow? Just that quick. So there are reptilians like the alligator and the crocodile who can come out of the water and stay on dry land for a while, longer than they should. And then, while breathing air, go back in, especially hippopotamus, which is why hippopotamus is the highest god in Egypt, then go back in under the water and breathe underwater. Hippopotamus. Or the Link to you, 
What's up going, Lord? The well, which they also proved was on land before it got into the water, still has its lungs, and your ancestor, the dolphin, who transported your seed here to this planet to be, to be germinated and grown here. <coughs> Dolphins are your ancestors. That is, you have a relationship to the dolphin. You know? <laughs> you can go to SeaWorld and Disney World and watch a whole bunch of cameras going, tree, 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 tree. the dolphin won't come nowhere near them. You walk over there and make one sound like a dolphin and they'll come look. Look up at you. And look to see if you know. And if you don't know, they'll just go in by the minute. If they see you know, they'll stick their head up. They'll pat them and they'll go back and work. So much for your relationship to the reptilians or the sea creatures. Let's get back let's get into other subjects, right? Unless that you got hooked and you want to say. <laughs> well, you better dance. Here's the question. This is that part about the human being born 90% of women. 90% of the child, the body that he missed, 90% of a child between a male and a female is the female. Because all of the, the components to make up the child is coming from her. The man is in distress. The semen is in distress from the moment it gets in the body because the woman's natural antibodies are going after it to destroy it because there's something alien until his brain pregnant right. because the baby takes from her um, immune system to right. protect himself against you know, the baby to protect itself that the, the baby has to go has to trigger something in the brain so it otherwise the mother will kill the baby this extends out of the womb and it's called postpartum, where women can flicker and beat their baby to death with a spoon or throw it out the window or put it up and they do all kinds of things. The doctors have written that off as a, you know, a mental defect, you know, it's, but, but, but accept it. Yes? Well, um, at least... I want to spawn right after the six months, at least. After the six months, you should stop having sex relationships and care more about training your body and exercising and preparing to um, yield a basketball <laughs> as opposed to, you know, stimulate, you know, for pleasure. You know, because that's your body, that, your body does have to be prepared for that. But if, if during that period of time, the man ejaculates the woman, semen ain't going anywhere anyway, because everything closed up. Huh? Pregnant and, and having that, that fetus inside the womb, is it a bad thing to have the, um, the sperm being injected into a woman being injected, you know, with um, attacking anyway? No, I'm saying because the brain is now, since she became pregnant, the brain produced the serum to protect it, so it won't, it won't, it won't give any harm at all. Brother, we're up here. Um, what happened is, dolphins are beings from the Cirrus star, Cyrus, they call it, Cyrus star, <coughs> and the Neptunal 
which is the Egyptian name for the Anunnaki, used them to put the seed of human beings in the dolphin in order to transport it from one place to the other. They do that now in laboratories. They'll take the egg of one animal and inject it into another animal in order to fly it from one laboratory to the other side and then take it out and then inseminate it inside to inside of an egg for development. When they were bringing the, uh, let's say, the fish man from Cyrus, which is a, a predominantly water planet, to Earth, they did it in a sea creature called a dolphin, which is much, much, is a little different than he looks today. He's also evolutionary. And then injected it here in the, in the, in the monkey, right? Because you have two different seeds there. You have the gibbon, which goes into the, to the chimpanzee, and you have the other one who went to the, the baboon and the jackal. Um, from the, the baboon, <laughs> I don't want to go that far. Want to go to the baboon and the orangutan, which is the Caucasian side of the monkey. And then you have the gibbon, which, which is the working thumb. That's why we have more coordination than they do. You know, we're, we're much more agile than them. Because the monkey that's in our genes is called a gibbon, and he has working... His hand works, he can grasp things, whereas the orangutan can't grasp nothing unless he holds it like this. He doesn't have a working thumb, his thumb is too far down. This is why there are a lot of Tamil who, you notice if you look at their toes, their toes are extremely long. And sometimes the first three, the, the first toe is real short, the next two, three is like all three the same size. Their hand structures are a lot different now, and they literally, understand the racist statement, this is science, this is fact. And they literally move different than we do, bodily-wise. They don't know how we move the way we do, how agile or colorful as they their term for it is. But they use those scientists, those gods, those Neturu, those Anutu, the Namus, use the dolphin to transport the gene to Earth from Sirius and then the laboratories, Shimti, on Mars, which they found the laboratories on Mars, in a place called Sidonia, and they're trying to cover it up, cause, but it's too late. Everybody knows the truth now. There's life on Mars, and that's, and they have now, then they transported it here to Earth. And they use these other biological entities, or some biological, some of them are mechanical, which called grays, which they made from mammals on this planet. And they like made a Frankenstein, the whole concept of the Frankenstein movie that they show you, is when the Anunnaki were making graves and they used these graves about to trans go into environments that they who will have the same anatomy like you and their planet Sirius had the same type of atmosphere as yours which is another name for risk right they used they, they had to use beings that could go into other planets like Mars where they couldn't survive on that and then those beings went there and built spheres we discussed this the other day They'll call it, uh, they'll say that planet Earth has, is a biosphere. And it's not a biosphere, because bio means two. And sphere is any specific place where life or matter exists. So we have the ability to live under the ground. We have the ability to live in water. We have the ability to live in air, within the Earth's atmosphere. And then we have the ability to live now with space stations outside. So we don't have a, biosphere, we have a quadrosphere. And if they come and create a dome structure and move people in it, now we got a what? It's going into a, what's a fifth? 
a quick, a quick now becomes a quick sphere. But they'll say we have a biosphere. We're living in several different atmospheres on the planet Earth at the same time, and several different life forms are living together in each of these spheres, but only one or two of them are capable of living beneath water in a space station. Like if I fly from here to, um, let's say, Asia, I may spend 17 hours in a plane. If I'm there, as long as I stay in any environment more than eight hours, I've altered the, the natural course of things, which means I should spend eight hours sleeping, eight hours eating, and eight hours digesting and dissipating. That's the three-eighths that make up the 24 hours in a human being. If I spend 17 hours in the air, I get jet lag, my body has to go through change, I have to readjust, I have to be recalibrated when I get my feet on the ground. It's the same thing if you go swimming and you mess around in water too long, when you get on the ground, you're, when you get back on the ground, your body feels real strange. That strange feeling is your body you know, touching the ground, dealing with levity, gravity, density, moist, and it's recalibrating itself, and then a couple of minutes after that you feel normal again. You understand? You okay now? and never explained it. And oftentimes, uh, when once the messenger was gone, and Farrakhan wasn't really close enough to him to have gotten the true message from the messenger, because he wasn't really under him. If I now ministers to test him, will put him on the stop the spot and ask him, what is triple darkness? No, he don't know. Whereas where of D. Muhammad, his son, did know what triple darkness meant. But now he has shifted doctrines from Nation of Islam, Islam, to Sunni Muslim Islam, he's not saying, you know, what about, so what they're talking about in the womb and the woman being triple darkness is they're talking about when the sperm and the ovum comes together, nobody sees it. When the eggs are being produced in the ovum, nobody sees it. If all that, and when the baby is finished making its total tumble in the womb and starts its journey outward, nobody sees it. So these three, these three major stages are all done in darkness. And that's what they were alluding to in the Nation of Islam as triple darkness. Go ahead. You spoke about the law earlier. Would it be good for a Mubaki to get a legal education outside of Georgia and both in another state like Alabama? Definitely. I mean, I, I don't know what, I don't know what or who is telling anybody whatever they are. I encourage all the Wabians to get an education and to get the best education we can get for what we need. 
what's said is the day and time we're in. Jabal, that's the that's the frightening part. We're at such we're so near. That's a lot of noise, right? Trying <laughs> a motorcycle club. We're so near to these calamities that not me, not me, uh, Amanubi or Akapa is telling you all about who's predicting. Not me, but scientists, astronomers are telling people about meteorite showers coming and a large meteorite and, and people are acting like there's nothing going on. They're telling them about the ice caps melting. They're telling them about the warming, uh, global warming and the greenhouse effect. And then they're even telling them about the computer crash in 17, 16 months. And the people are acting like nothing's going to happen. Well, what's going to happen is if they don't, uh, uh, are not able to change the number system in the computer between now and 16 months, all the electricity is going to shut down. The pumps are going to shut down. The hospitals are going to shut down. Everything that works by computers. The planes will have to stop flying. That means the diseases are going to get rampant. And what they're doing also because of the heart project, I don't want to keep you out there too long, right? Because of the heart project, as I mentioned last week, they are now altering the climate to make this a tropical environment so that they can culture more bacteria. Because they have already figured out, and, and there's a scientist, and I've, I've emailed it, I hope you all can confirm it, scientists from South Africa who admitted that they had put together teams of scientists who were studying the human body for black people only and what level bacteria attack us where it don't attack them and that they have succeeded in making certain types of bacteria to go into foods that we like. And in the, in the article in the internet, they actually list the kind of foods and they know that we like. And if, this, and if these bacteria have been put in there and it's already inside our body. It may sound crazy, but go, because I know what time you don't believe me, check it out. Go ask them. Go look in the computer. They are revealing right now about these diseases that are already in my and your body. The reason why we don't know it is because we're all sick. We're all having this metal taste in our mouth. We're all having this nasal drip. We're all getting these repeated headaches all the time. This happens to everybody. We're getting this time where we just don't want to eat the food that we like. We're getting these flashes of nausea. And then a woman says, I think I'm pregnant. Find out she ain't pregnant. Well, they've already put the bacteria in the air. Not just in the water. They know the food you like. They know the restaurants you frequent. They know your style. They gave it to your kids in school. They gave it to your relatives in the hospital. They gave it to your brothers and sisters in the military. You know, we found out that they don't eat what we eat. All you have to do is spend some time with a Caucasian family and you'll find they don't eat the same things you eat. They don't drink the same liquids you drink. You hear me? They have all that stuff prepared to break you down because you're at a point in time's time where you're metamorphosizing from a mortal into a god. That sounds crazy because of what they did to your mind with the fanatical monotheistic beliefs. And the word monotheistic comes from an ancient Greek god called Monos of sarcasm and pain. Look it up. Monotheos means sarcastic, painful theories. And that's what it's based on. If you don't believe what I believe, you're going to hell. If you ain't a Baptist and get dumped in some water reptilian for salvation, you're going to hell. If you ain't a Muslim and say, La ilaha illallah, Allah is going to send you to hell until you ask him, where is hell? 
or simply wasn't wearing hell. Exactly where is it, Mr. Muslim man? Exactly where is it? Well, it's down. No, it ain't down here. Scientists that went straight through the planet. No, it ain't down there. Well, where is heaven? Up there. How far? They say heaven is further than the further star. And one, of, and one of the nearest stars are millions of light years away. But see, when they talk like that, we don't have a clue. We stop there because we don't like math. Millions of light years. They say, what is a light year? The distance light can travel in a year. How fast does light travel? 186,000 what? And based on the year of 265, you're 5 trillion miles away. Where, and now the nearest star, the nearest star is 100 million light years away. So you know how long it would get to heaven? Jesus is still on his way. <laughs> Scientifically, he's not even halfway there. You understand? You may not like the way that sounds, but when they speak of this as a new age, and they try to make belonging to new age religions, as they call it, something cultish, no. New age means, like Jesus said, it's time for a new age, a new era, new information. Reverend, come down off the pulpit, because you don't know what you're talking about. Time for you to move out the way. وصلى الله على أنبياء أجمعين والمسيح والمحكي والمجدد لمن مرسلين أما بعد Are we not the bearers of witness that nothing would exist if Allah didn't create it? And that He is alone and has no part? And that all great who keeps Him informed as to what takes place in the universe and what took place in the universe. So I am not Him as per se Michael, I am doing Michael's job. That's why it says, I send mine angel. It's the angel is the spiritual part that inspires the man, you see? Yes, it was necessary for Master Farad Muhammad to appear as a person to, in a physical form to inspire a physical man because they were living in a mystery world. Okay? Michael has come into me as a spiritual being and influences the way I feel and think and what I say. All this information I'm putting out here, I'm telling you brother to brother, eye to eye, ear to ear, cheek to cheek, I could not do it myself. I'm amazed at some of the information that comes to me from this man, Michael. You know what I'm saying? He, he astonishes me. I have to go back sometime and read the books myself. People ask me questions. I say, wait, let me go look it up. Because it's just not mine, and I'd be a fool to try to claim it. So Michael is moving through me to herald in the Messiah. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Um, the initial question that I asked was that in the heavens, when you speak about it in Revelation, there was a war in the heavens. And from reading the doctrine, I thought I understood that there was a war prior to Iblis being brought amongst the seraphim. And I was confused as to how could they rebel if Will came with Adam? Was this prior to the advent of Adam when the cherubim rebelled? Or was it with the advent of Adam and him teaching Will to Iblis? It's who he rebelled to. You see, will is the right to make decisions. Half of 180 is 90. You follow what I'm saying? Yes, sir. So those angelic beings were making decisions, but none of their decisions was put before or questioning Allah's divinity or His purpose because there was nothing in the heavens to question that. 
when Adam was promised into existence, which is in the book of the Sahum, then they want to know, right, what, who is, what is this kind of being? You follow Prior to that, all they had was seraphim and cherubim. And both of these were broken up into races like we are today. But there was no spiritual competition. There was no reason to question the divine or the divine purpose. Man today on earth questions the divine purpose. What am I doing here? Why am I here? Why did he create evil? Why did he do this? Why did he do that? That's how you know the war between good and evil is about to start again. Because here's a man with 360 degrees trying to get back to his 720 degree nature. And he's starting to use his 360 degrees to question things in the spiritual realm when his 360 only covers him on the physical realm. You dig what I'm saying? Now the angels in their realm, their 90 was equivalent to your 360. They could think. You follow? So yes, you're correct. There was conflict between the angels prior to the conflict between Michael and Azazel. Because there was two. There was another realm existing. That's why the angels said, are you going to create one to cause mischief and shed blood? How would angels know about the shedding of blood if there was just spirits or ghosts? They knew about the shedding of blood because they knew the battles of the angels in heaven before. That wasn't a thing. No, see, <laughs> I think the bottom line is no will is questioned until you question the will of Allah. Inshallah, mashallah. No will is questioned. So means when the angels made decisions in heaven, it didn't mean they could not think or make decisions to, to do or not to do. It meant they could not make decisions to do or not to do what Allah commands until the spark of the nature of man was created. And when it was created, anything created in the spiritual realm affects all spiritual beings. You understand? Yes, sir. So when the spiritual spark of, of Adam's nature was being created to incarnate physically, the angels were receiving that energy. It was in a realm. So as that, then they said, well, who is that? Or what is that? And where is his destiny? Are you going to create, are you creating another Azazilla, another cherub to rule? You follow that? And that was what they feared. So when they were told to prostrate before Adam, they were not rebelling merely against Adam. They were rebelling against Allah. Because the essence of the question is, check this now, and I've got to be careful with this because it's part of 360 again. Right? The essence of the question is that if they do bow, if the angels do bow, then they're bowing to something other than Allah. Now if Allah tells the angels to prostrate and yet tells them that no one should prostrate to nothing but them, maybe Azazel did the right thing by not prostrating. He was the only one who didn't prostrate. Because if they prostrated to Adam, then they was going against the law that you shouldn't prostrate to nothing but Allah. Or there was a different law in the heavens at the time. You see what I'm trying to say? It, gets, it goes into dimensions of... <laughs> it gets heavy. Is the answer to that going to be in the book? Huh? Yeah, oh definitely. <laughs> Answer. answer's not going to be in the question book, the answer's going to be in the answer book. I'm putting the question book out because I want to see that dumb look on the Sunni Muslim's face when they can't answer these things. And then I'm going to answer them with ease and say, now bear witness to whom Allah sent.
Thank you, brother. I just have one more question. The initial question was Michael asked to bow down also. We see amongst those who was asked to bow down, or because of his 720 degrees of knowledge, was he exempt from that? Shikanti. No, Michael was not asked to bow down. Assalamu alaikum. Um, I have a question about forgiveness. Um, are, who are we supposed to forgive, and how do we forgive what has happened to us? All right. We are not supposed to forgive anybody. Allah is the forgiver. The white man is a fool when he stands up and tells me to forgive everything he did to me. And if I did attempt to forgive him, I still would not forget it. Which means the moment I see traces of it pop up again, any form of racism, for instance, someone say, well, uh, I don't have anything against colored people. Some of my best friends are colored. Immediately, that's a very, they think they say, white people, when they say that, they think they're complimenting you and they're really insulting you. You're not asked to forgive them. The Jews, and I'm, I'm, I'm quoting Minister Louis Farrakhan now, the Jews don't want no forgiveness from the Germans. They still hunting them down and doing to them what they accused them of doing to them, hanging them and burning them. They hung some guy who was almost 80 years old for their Holocaust. Well, black man, we had a Holocaust too. Millions of us died in the past. Between Africa, as they call it today, and America, millions of black people died, man. And then when you got here, they sold you like a piece of meat. They separated your family. They, they molested and raped the women and the little girls to breed. And they made men who of certain tribes breed with certain women so they can get bucks, as they call them. Big, strong niggas to work the field. And if any black man rebels, they castrated him, or they hung him, or they beat him all throughout the South. And they formed an organization to enforce it, call it the KKK. And then the sheriff's department to enforce, to hold back all the religious ones, they call them sheriffs, because the word sheriff is from the word Sharif, which is the noble family of the Prophet Muhammad. That was a special branch of officers that worked with the Klan and wore a six-pointed star, and they call themselves the Sheriff, short for Sharif. You understand? They are still beating us today, still shooting us dead and getting off like they ain't did nothing, still poisoning us, using us for operations to experiment with AIDS, experiment with syphilis, depriving us of our education. You know, it's so funny, the blacks, the blacks went out their way in the 17th century to form a black lodge called the Prince Hall of Masons, and then when they brought all their minutes to them in London, they rejected it because they were niggas. You had to be an Anglo-Saxon Christian. You know, blacks, instead of telling them what to do, it went off and formed their own lodge anyway, to just to want to be like white people. The Prince Hall Lodge is true. You know it is. What has the white man ever done for me and you but abused us? Come on, man. I want to know the truth. I had too many black people say, all white people ain't bad. All the bacteria and AIDS ain't bad. I'm not interested in all of it. I'm interested in the one that can kill me. So I'm not going to accept AIDS because all of the bacteria in AIDS is not bad. You're right. We might find oh, one white good person. <laughs> and we'll call him uh, Cherub or Azazil, and we'll try to raise him amongst us like they did the uh, new kids on the block. 
raised amongst blacks, their music produced by a black man, had black girlfriends, and then soon they got some authority, now they're white, the, the number one white group in America. Just like Azazel, the angel, raised amongst us out of mercy, and what he do? Caused the war in the heaven and caused everybody to be cast to earth, and then hell, a hell be created. No, we ain't supposed to forgive them no more than they want to forgive the Germans for what they say the Germans did to them. And no more should they expect the Japanese to forgive them for what they did to the Japanese. No, we ain't forgiving you. Because you don't even have enough, they don't have enough to say they're sorry for what they did to you. They give you February as Black History Month and you bragging and that's the shortest month in the year. They gave you the shortest month. And that one month out of the year, they're going to pretend they recognize our blackness. We ain't no one-month people. We was on the planet before the white man fell out of us as a disease. Like Minister Louis Farrakhan said, we are their mothers and fathers. And you better honor your mother and father so that your days may be long on this planet. Because we're getting ready to spank you for all the devilishment you're doing like a parent does. And we're going to spank you with love because you we're not as wicked as you are. We don't want to kill you. We don't want to uh, hang you and we can't castrate you. <laughs> we don't want to do these things to you that you did to us. We just want you to either respect us or leave us alone. That's all. One or the other. Either respect us for who we are or leave us alone and let us build for ourselves. Let us reprove ourselves. Can y'all relate to that? Let us prove ourselves. Stop giving us your image of Negroes. We ain't, all of us ain't no Rochester. All of us ain't no Sammy Davis Jr. All of us ain't no Ben Marine. We ain't no tap dancers. We don't go around showing our teeth. We don't like, we don't be flopping into watermelon rhymes. We are not like that. You just show the public what you want to see because you're afraid to show them the gods amongst this nation. But you're going to have to tank with the gods because the Nubian nation is on the rise. Um, also, um, I heard a brother say that in the Quran uh, it says that men and women are equal, only the men are a degree above women. How are we equal? I don't understand. Insofar as Allah created us of the same substance, we both have a mind and a soul. We both stand before Allah as individuals. No man is more religious than any woman. No, no woman is more religious than any man. We have all the same potentials. The only thing that makes women appear to be a notch beneath men is the fact that it takes us a couple of minutes to drop a seed and it takes you nine months to cultivate. That's all. And if any answer is telling you women out there, you ain't got no soul, you got to get your soul from me. Laugh at him and walk away. Assalamu alaikum. Um, if we reject Paul as the apostle of Jesus Christ, why quote him in our literature? If you look at our literature, you see whenever I, I, I quote Paul, I quote him in the negative. I will explain Corinthians to show you how Paul is corrupting Jesus' teachings. You follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But not, whenever I, I speak of divine revelation, 
I say it is either the book of Revelation or the book of John, because those two books confirm themselves. All the rest of them are not. They're letters and stories. And none of them even claim to be divine. Only the book of John, son of Zebedee, and the book of Revelation, which is Jesus' in jail. And most Muslims make a mistake. If you talk to the average Orthodox Sunni Muslim, he talks about the Injil as the Gospels. And he makes it plural when in Arabic of the Quran it's El Injil, a single, the book of Revelation. Last week, Siraj Wahad said the God, we believe in the Gospels of Jesus. No Muslims don't. Muslims believe in El Injil, the Gospel of Jesus. Not in the Gospels of Jesus. I wish these brothers would learn how to read their language so they'll see what they're saying and stop making a fool out of all of us in the, in the eyes of the Christians. Go ahead, brother. Okay. So the only books that are correct are Revelation and John, then? That's the only books in the New Testament of the divine. The other ones are not but Hadith. They're Revelation, but they're Hadith. The same way there's Hadith that Muslims have by Bukhari and, and, there's, and there's Hadith that the Jews have called the Talmud. You follow? But they're not divine. You're right. Uh, and the second question is, is um, when Canaan was cursed, why did he take his sister with him, his sister with him? In the, in the ancient Hebraic doctrine, when a child was born, a woman and a man, they were destined to be mates. They call them, they say betrothal in the scriptures, that's how they use it. In Israel, if a man child was born, they took a woman child from that tribe, and that person was destined to be their mate without their decision, unfortunately. That was real cruel. But without women's decisions, they were just able to marry them just like that. You follow that? Yeah. That's why. So therefore, because Selha was assigned him at birth, she had to go where he said. That was their rituals back then. Don't make much sense today. And you, plus, you can't get no woman to do that today. Okay. Um, Ecclesiastic 9.5 states that the dead are conscious of nothing. Can you explain that to me? Yes, because they speak about two types of death in the Bible, in the book of Revelation. Those that are resurrected from the dead and those that will stay dead. Now, what I mean by that is, righteous people know that they don't die. Righteous people know that their soul just goes from, dimen from dimension to dimension. You follow that? Yeah, I got it. Evil people, their soul burns out. When your soul burns out, you're dead. The Quran says, don't say of my prophets that they are dead. They are not. They are with me. The Quran says, we took Jesus, Rafa'ah, up. And it says also, Enoch, Idris, was up. So, they are dead. But those dead are people who are dead in the truth. They say in Christianity, dead in Christ. You follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because they did not rekindle their soul. You stated in your literature that um, even right now, if we have our physical bodies and our mind correct, we're able to go to those different planes. Am I right? Yes, you can. If you line, I said if you line up your spiritual body and your physical body, you will be able to make that, you will make that translation like Enoch did in the Bible. Okay, can a pale man do that? Yes, he can. That's a good question. Yes, he can. Only he goes to lower realms. There's upper realms and lower realms. There's Hades and there's Semiwak. So the devil, in a spiritual form, travels to lower realms with his demons. He cannot go up where to the fourth, to Melakut, to the fourth realm where you can. Hmm. He can astro project downward. Assalamualaikum. Um, I was um ever since I read the book uh, Science Creation, there's always been a question that bothered me. 
and your son Yakub just brought up to mind when I was talking to him. And that was at the forming of Adam's body when Allah SWT told, I believe it was Jibreel, to go down and collect, I, I believe, the substance to make it. And Jibreel, you know, the, the, the substance pleaded with Jibreel, no, and Allah sent Makal. He did the same, and, you know, they didn't do it. And so Allah sent a gazelle down, and he did, you know, he did it. What Allah told him to do, he did it, bang. And he uh, took the body form, Adam. Now, when he did that, Allah told him, because he had no compassion for the forming of Adam's body, he shall be at the forefront of collecting souls. I wanted to know, was that a punishment? Or was that, you know, good no, because... That, that was a manifestation of his nature because Gabriel has been coming to earth repeatedly and they refer to him as the angel of revelation. And Michael has been coming to the earth repeatedly because he is a defender of Tawheed. You follow what I'm saying? What happened is these angels were asked to do something that was not in their nature. Do you understand that? <laughs> but this was before, wasn't this before... Anybody was on the earth? Yeah, not in their nature. Uh, this is what they were destined to be. Because their names tell you what they're destined to be. Uh, I see. You see? A Zazilla name means someone who rebels against something. Because man fears death. Jibril means someone who presents, comes forth and brings something. You see that? Michael means, Mikael, one who, who can declare himself like Allah. Not who can declare himself like Allah, but tell me, who do you know is like Allah? So each one of those beings that was sent was assigned by Allah of what man would encounter after his creation. The, the, angel of, the angel of death, the angel of revelation, and the angel of defense. Ah, uh, I see. So that was the whole, so that was all set up. Allah, that's how he answered, <laughs> I know what you know not. Everything Allah does has a meaning. Nothing is just done like we do things. And then we figure out later what we did. I know everything Allah does, everything the Heavenly Father does has a meaning. We cannot wrestle against it. Sometimes mortals don't understand it because it's above us. But that's all part of His being divine. And also, um, you say like, uh, before there was anything, Allah... Uh, there was a state of nothing, right? No, he, I didn't say that. I said he created a state of nothingness. Now watch this. Say, for instance, you're a potter. You make pots, uh, plates, I, glasses, I, a potter. Now, when you make this cup, you're making this cup to fill it with coffee or tea or whatever you drink. Mm -hmm. Correct? No. And, I, and let's, let's, let's make it very clear we mean decaffeinated because we, <laughs> we don't want people to think I say go drink coffee and tea with the drugs, okay? <laughs> no, but seriously. Uh, let's say you make this cup with the intention to drink water in it. No. When you create it, you create an absence of space, a nothingness. The area where the water is to go when the cup is created before you put the water in it is, be, is creating what? Uh, space, empty space. A, a state of nothingness. Right, yeah. And then once it is occupied or filled with water, it no longer becomes nothing, it becomes what? Something. Water, yeah. When Allah planned to create the creation, 
He created a state for which the creation could happen, where molecules could be drawn together and explosions can take place and cells can breed and, and germs can multiply. You understand that? No. That's what he did. First of all, they're both are the same thing. It's just that when they break down an atom, it breaks down into molecules. An atom is a constructed amount of molecules moving at a specific speed, forming a certain amount of density. You follow that? No. So if you have a specific atom, let's say uh, hydrogen or helium, wow. you have to have two hydrogens revolving around a nuclei which forms helium. As right. you go up the scale of the elements, the amount of atoms and protons or neutrons revolving around electrons are moving around the center will determine their density. When you break it down, it breaks down into molecules. When you construct it as a, uh, as a, a, a number of molecules functioning, it becomes an atom. Okay? Nah, it's Um, how could Revelations chapter Chapter 10, verse 1 to 11, be talking about the Quran as a little book. When it told Jesus not to copy down what the angel was saying, because it was to be prophesied later, but he took the book by the orders, by orders of the angel and ate it, and it was to prophesize it again. Because, okay, who was Jesus' father? Um, Allah. No. I mean, the angel. Angel who? Gabriel. And who brought the Prophet Muhammad the Quran on Laylatul Qadri? Angel Gabriel. See? So he did, Jesus being the son, the angel did have to digest the Quran before Muhammad even came and then brought the Quran in the night of power, Laylatul Qadri, to Muhammad. So he had memorized it in, in, in its entirety and then presented it to Muhammad in Laylatul Qadri as a whole book, but only revealed it in portion. But if he, but it says that, that he ate it and it was sweet, it was sweet to the mouth and um, better to the belly. Because the Quran speaks about Zilzala and Ariyat. The Quran has answers to the books of Revelation that are not very pretty. It speaks about the earthquakes of the, the world and the mountains crumbling and dust and mountains folding like butterflies. So when he read, which was a very beautiful book, what he got out of it was some very terrifying information about the way the world ends. So it was sweet in the mouth, but it was bitter in the belly. You follow? Um, all right, thank you. Also, how could, how do we have a, um, a Quran today if Uthman burned it, burned the original? You don't have a Quran today because Uthman burned it. And that's one of my biggest arguments to Sunni Muslims. They refuse to accept the Ali Quran. We have in our possession the Quran from Ali, the family of the Prophet Muhammad. The Sunnis do not have original copy. They have a bunch of perverted translations and distorted manuscripts and once they finally thought about it and got it collected what they thought was true they burnt the original so nobody could check it but they overlooked that Fatima and Ali and the family or the Ahlul Bayt had their Quran also what does Allah mean in Hebrew? Arabic and Hebrew are both dialects of Seretic the root of both of them is Al in Hebrew they say Alif and the word is Lem in Arabic, it's Alif Lam, Al, the. Whenever you speak about Allah, you say the. And if a person says the what, you say the. <laughs> the who, the. The when, the. Allah is Al. Then they add Illahu on it, that which created it. 
or that which is the essence of it. They use the word hua from the root word ha or hawa'a, meaning a kind of love that is divine. Look it up in the dictionary. Or the word ha, ha alif, meaning for me to present something to you. If I was going to give you something, I'd say ha, which is like here, take this. Not huna, like here, stand here, but ha. So when you put ha on el, you get the source of divine love that presented itself. And it presented himself by ruh to nefecha, by breathing of his own self into you, which gave all human beings the attributes of ishq, called divine love. When it permeates from Allah, it comes down as something that man does not understand. The kind of emotions and concern that man does not understand. When it settles in man, it's known as ish. When man tries to apply it, it's known as wood. When man does apply it, it's known as hib. Those are the dimensions of divine love incarnating as a part of the divine into you. Thus, your heart is, is painted over with the love of Allah. As mean as you try to be the white people, you really can't be. As tough as you want to be, if a white person falls in front of you, you'll help them up. They don't have that. You got to really become callous as a person not to help a white person because black man black woman you have the spirit of the most high moving into you he breathed into you of his spirit and you became a living soul so as tough as you try to be you are as compassionate and merciful and forgiving and loving and kind as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is himself because he moves through your very being it's called soul and the white people recognize it in you and say those are soul people. If you eat poison food, they call it soul food. And they have their soul this. And in Latino, they say salsa this and salsa that. They know that that is the divine inside you moving and they hate you for it. Come home to the tabernacle of the Most High and get all your questions answered. Or visit the Hall of Knowledge every Sunday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. at 548 Hart Street, Brooklyn, New York. Or call 718-452-9329. That's 718-452-9329. Amen. 